Hello, everyone, and welcome to Bible Quest, the Tuesday edition. Let me stop my sharing. There we go. We're really happy you're able to join us on this Tuesday afternoon as we go through uh, Bible topics and questions and answers. In fact, while we're going through the program at any time, uh, we would encourage you, if you're coming in on the Zoom app, please use the Q&A box or the chat window box, uh, box window thing. Text in your comments and questions um, on what we're talking about, or even if something else comes up, pops up and, that you want us to talk about. We look forward to hearing from everyone. And if you want to do it during the week, if you want to have a question, we get questions that come in from the website. Go to BibleQuest.tv, and there's a form there where you can tell us what you'd like us to talk about or ask a question. If you're coming in on the Facebook page, same thing. You've got the comment box there and just go ahead and and uh, give us your your comments so let's well there he is scott how you doing our program director is in a tunnel what is <laughs> there we go all right good to see you scott how you doing you all right great and steven's with us how you doing steven i'm doing well drew how are you guys uh, doing doing very good doing excellent all right so um i think i got rid of all of the housekeeping things is there anything else we got to mention scott i don't think so let's see if we can encourage people to call uh to type in or uh what's the word it's not call it's i'm looking for a verb that means what you do to get online with us here oh if you want to use your audio from your computer there we go yeah 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 use the raise your hand there's a hand a little hand icon on the the zoom app window area just click that. In fact, we had that last night. Uh, let me just put a plug in. Uh, Scott was a guest speaker last night in our creation versus evolution class. He did a great job, Scott. I want to thank you for helping us. And we had a couple of people that did come in using the audio. And so those of you who are familiar with that, go ahead and click your audio button and come on in and you want to talk with us on air uh, using your computer audio. Is that what you were trying to say, Scott? Yes. Okay. And if you're on Facebook, you can just type it into the uh, uh, comment line there, and uh, we'll get it on here. So we yeah, like you, from you, comments you, or questions. Yeah, you don't have the audio option on the Facebook page, and the Facebook page is about 13 to 18 second delay from when you're hearing us, and then you click it in from the time we'll see that. But we'll still get to it. So go ahead, Scott. What are we doing today? We are talking about the book of Philippians. So let's introduce it here just briefly. Here we go. There it is. All right. So the book of Philippians, uh, who wrote the book? Paul, the Apostle Paul. Who did he write it to? Uh, the church in Philippi. Uh, approximately when did he write it? A first century. <laughs> All right. That's, that's approximately. <laughs> you said approximately. Yeah, yeah that's right. That's right. Uh, so I, I guess maybe 61 or so, uh, but sometime in the, from 60, between 60 and 64, and part of that time, it looks like it's going to be released, but, uh, where was he when he wrote it? Good question. Where was he? Rome. Uh, and in, I, I'm, I'm going to throw out something here in a very short sentence, five words or less. How would you two describe the book of Philippians? Well, let's make it six words or less. How would you describe the book of Philippians? Or just some adjectives, if you like. One way I like to sum up the book is learning to sing in prison. 
Yeah. Wait, 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 Scott, Scott. Oh, go ahead, Stephen, before I ask Scott, but go ahead. And, and it goes back to what happened to Paul and Silas when they were establishing the church in Philippi. Yeah. Um, when it comes to midnight, they're in prison. They've been beaten with rods and apparently still have open wounds, but they are, they are singing at midnight and the prisoners are listening to them. And really the book, the, the letter to the church of Philippi is Paul showing them how to do the same thing and saying, yep. just like I did when I was with you guys, you got to learn to sing in prison and look at the tough things going on and uh, learn to rejoice in the Lord. When uh, you... Paul, is, Paul is again a prisoner. Uh, if it's in that two-year period described in Acts, he's renting a house in which he's under house arrest. And sounds like uh, there was a guard there saying, but he's a prisoner, and his attitude is just remarkable. Drew. Uh, I was waiting for you, Stephen, to take it to that next point. Who would have been one of the uh, recipients, audience of that letter? The Philippian jailer. What a Philippian that? jailer. And Paul is in prison in Rome, and you made a comment about that. Like, what was what was the thing you said? Oh yeah, we'll get to this when we read chapter one. Okay, okay. The, uh, I didn't want to. Okay, you you got a place you want to put that in. All right, but yeah, wait yeah. before you do that, it, it, would you say it's it's a it's a letter that is for positive, upbeat encouragement, right? Yes, it is. Yes, Scott. It is. Before we went live, you had said something. We were looking for a title. Oh yeah. What was that title that we're not going to use, but you? Never mind, never mind. You don't want to go there? Okay. So sometimes that gets people angry. So oh, Okay, all right. Go ahead. Go ahead. Let's get, let's we're get in Philippians today not trying to make people angry. Uh, and uh, you, you could also uh, call it a thank you letter. Hmm. It's much more than a thank you letter, but it's also a thank you letter. All right, so here's what happened. Uh, on the second missionary journey, uh, first missionary journey, let me get this pictures out of the way so we can see here. First missionary journey, y'all can see my cursor here moving on the screen, right? Yeah. Yep. So from Antioch, they'd gone down to Cyprus and they went up through this area like this. That was the first missionary journey. Second missionary journey, Barnabas and Mark went that way. Paul took Silas, came this way, picked up Timothy, came up to Troas, picked up Luke, and sailed up here to Philippi and established the church there at Philippi. He's going to get to Corinth about 50 AD. So this might be uh, maybe your early 50 AD, maybe 49 AD. I'm not sure. Um, but in that general ballpark. Uh, and he establishes the church there. One of you guys kind of sum up what happened in Acts 16 when he established the church there, just kind of briefly tell us about some of the early members. Wasn't the first one Lydia? Yeah. And uh, there was no synagogue there, but he, he heard about uh, worshipers down by the river. Uh, he went down there and started preaching and, and Lydia and her house. Oh, you got the right there on the screen, her household. Um, I, I think she was first before the jailer, if I'm not mistaken. That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, after he's thrown in prison, Man, by the next morning, the jailer and his household had been baptized into Christ. Now, as we proceed, uh, we don't know for sure, 10 plus years later, who all is still there. Uh, some of these people could have moved away, like Aquila and Priscilla. Some of them could have passed on, like James. 
uh, some of them could have fallen away. Uh, we know it, Paul will talk about in Philippians chapter three that you know with with sorrow he knows that some people that he knows have, have passed away, but because this is what we know of them, it's it's helpful to kind of picture <coughs> who may still be there in the church, Lydia and her household, and the jailer in his household. And of course, there would have been others as well. Then Paul left in, after being thrown in prison and singing in prison, uh, goes to Thessalonica, Athens, Corinth, etc. On the third missionary journey, he came back through, picks up Luke at Philippi, comes, goes to Jerusalem. When he gets to Jerusalem, he's at the temple and his enemies accuse him of doing what? taking a Gentile into the temple. Right. And they're wanting to rip him apart. The Romans come down and are attacking. The Romans come down, seize him, arrest him, try to establish some law and order. Uh, there's charges against him. He ends up being held at Caesarea as a prisoner for a couple of years. And some people think Philippians might have been written from here. Um, but when Paul says at the end of Philippians, those of Caesar's household salute you. If he was a prisoner down here and a prisoner up here, and he's sending readers from Caesar's household, which makes sense. A lot more sense to say that he's in Rome where yeah. Caesar's household was. Right. Okay, so he sails on that prison voyage in the shipwreck, gets up here, and this is now the background. Oh, one, one more thing we want to note about the church at Philippi. Um, when you compare, say, Galatians and 1 Corinthians to Philippians, what's a big difference you notice in the audience? Seems to be a lot less trouble going on at Philippi. Uh, there's a lot more positive tone. Paul is very open about his affection for them. There, there's definitely some, some teaching going on in the letter, but there's not as much rebuke going on in the letter. Right. right. So... It, it, think of people that you know. There are people that you know and love and you're really concerned about them and you're having to correct them and you're hoping they'll make better decisions this time. And, you know, it's, they're high maintenance. And then, do you know some Aquilas and Priscillas that yes. you need to count on? That's, that's like the Philippians, I think, to, to a large, large degree for Paul. And in fact, he was pretty picky about who he took money from. He wouldn't take any money from the Thessalonians. Why? Because some of them were being lazy and not working. He wanted to be a good example to them. Yeah. He wouldn't take any money from the Corinthians. Why? Because he wanted to be an example to them of how to give up your rights. Now, they needed it in a different area of giving up their rights, but he uh, didn't want to be a stumbling block for the gospel, them giving him money. And he mentions over in 2 Corinthians that there were some people who were kind of his opponents or enemies, adversaries, who would have been criticizing him if he had. And he was not going to give that type of opportunity. And he didn't take it, look like, from Ephesus. But in Philippians 4, he's going to say time and time again, what did the Philippians done? Sent him support. Yeah, and he received it from him. Now... Part of it may be the fact that they had some money to give because Lydia was very wealthy, probably. 
Uh, but more than that, I think it's the that maturity that's already been referenced of this group. He could trust them to support him in the same way they trusted him to receive the support. He didn't have to worry about that being misinterpreted. He could rely on them. Now, here he's a prisoner. I want you guys to imagine that you are in Philippi. Uh, you're the jailer. You're part of the household. You're, 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 and your friend, your brother, who brought you to Christ 10 years ago or more, um, who has been, who suffered when he was in Philippi and now is suffering still. In fact, he spent two years as a prisoner down here and then through all the troubles of this journey, now he's a prisoner here. And who knows? You get taken as a prisoner to Rome. How might that end? You could be executed. Yeah. So um, what would the heart and feeling of the Philippians be at this point? What, would, what things would weigh on them about Paul? Being over here in Philippi, knowing that your brother and Paul has finally been released from prison here, but he's taken to prison to be a prisoner here. What are you thinking? It sounds like, you know, they would have been really worried and like, is he okay? Is he discouraged? You know, uh, he's stuck somewhere, whether it's house arrest or something more intense, either way, you know, how is Paul's mental state? How is he, how is he holding up, you know, in, in, in prison? And when somebody you love is suffering, what do you want to do? Reach out to them. Yeah. Comfort them. Help them. Yeah. Do they have lawyers there that can get Paul delivered? Probably not. Uh, are they friends with Caesar? Put in a good word for him. Probably not. What can they do besides, of course, they could pray, but what tangibly could they do? They could send him some more support. There you go. And so Paul's over here, a prisoner, and this is 10 something years later, and they select somebody to take the support to Paul. And what's his name? Timothy? It's Epaphroditus. Oh, right. Yeah. But so, he, talks, he talks about Timothy and Epaphroditus in chapter two. Okay. Yeah. So they send one of their own, Epaphroditus, with this financial help for Paul. And he travels, you know, hundreds of miles to get to Paul. What happens when he makes this trip to go see Paul? He almost dies. He gets really sick. Yes, yes. And they have heard, the, the things have taken long enough here that the word's been able to get back. They've heard that, you know, Epaphroditus is really, really ill. Now, I want you to consider this. If, if I get a message right now, uh, so like Jonathan's not with us today. He's on the way to Rhode Island for a wedding. But Jonathan had surgery last week because he was having a lot of pain turned out of his gallbladder. And it was a lot of pain. He got that done. Glad we'd taken care of. But if it wasn't, and I got a message from uh, Jonathan, and uh, I heard, you know, Jonathan's having to be taken to the hospital. If it weren't for immediate communication, by the time you get a message that somebody's badly ill and having to go to the hospital, if it's days or weeks later that you get that news, what might have happened in the meantime? Died. Yeah. So we're the Philippians. We were concerned about Paul. Now we're concerned about Paul and Epaphroditus. All right. 
So Paul sends Epaphroditus. He would like to have kept Epaphroditus there with him, but he knows they're concerned about him. So he sends him back. And what would you do if you were Paul and they've just sent you this gift and you're sending Epaphroditus back? What might you send with them? Epaphroditus himself. <laughs> hey, and, look, he's okay. <laughs> yeah. And? He survived COVID-19. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> might you send a thank you note? Yeah. 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 All right. And that's kind of what Philippians is. So Paul to the Philippians. First, uh, somebody just read for us uh, verses 1 through 11, please. Okay, Paul, let me, oh, let me get over here. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and the deacons, grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy. Uh, for you all, okay, there was a break on that sentence, because of your partnership in the gospel from the, ver from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation confirmation of the gospel for God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God Okay, it's pretty typical of Paul at the beginning of a letter to say, I give thanks to God for you. Uh, there's one where he skips it. Do you remember where he skips that? In First Timothy, he uh, goes straight into uh, okay. problems at Ephesus. How about Galatians? I should have said in his letters to churches. Sorry. Galatians? Galatians, yeah about the spot where it might have been, I give thanks for you. It says, I can't believe that you're already <laughs> departing, you know. But usually, even at Corinth, he says, I give thanks for you. And then now, let's start straightening out the problems. But here, not only does he give thanks, there's just a level of appreciation and respect and confidence because he can so count on them. And, and they've been so solid and everything. He just really appreciates them. But he knows they're concerned about him. So somebody read verse 12. Okay, I got it. Uh, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Okay, that's one of the main things he's doing in this letter. Letting the Corinthians say, listen, this is what I want you to know. These things that look bad, are really accomplishing good things. Now we know it's bad, but he doesn't say anything about that up to this point in the letter. And they know it's bad. But if we were just, wow. if we were just doing a glossary reading, we might say, "What do you do? Win the lottery, and now everything's going really rosy, clean, and he's able to spread the gospel." This is why it's important. Uh, I remember Robert Turner used to tell us. He said, "When you're reading an epistle, remember that you're reading somebody else's mail." Mm -hmm. I like that. written with the original idea so that we it's you, you need to read through and then say, oh i see what's going on here 
he's writing to the people that just sent Epaphroditus to him because they're concerned about him because they know the circumstances he's under. He's wanting them to know this. Now, we all benefit from it. We all benefit from these epistles, but we'll understand them better if we remember who they were written to. All right. Now, how is it going good? How is this working out? He's going to mention three problems and watch his attitude on each of them. Uh, Stephen, take us through the text there of problem number one. Verses 12 through 14 is the first problem. This is Philippians 1, 12 through 14. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So, yeah, there's a problem, but look what it's produced. And he sees two benefits. What are the two benefits? Well, one is that the guard has heard about Christ. And this is uh, where I've, I've heard the point made that, you know, the Philippian jailer is probably in the audience. I mean, we don't know for sure, but that he's hearing about other jailers, if you will, other of the imperial guard. That are, that are hearing about Christ like he did from a prisoner. So it's just kind of yeah. interesting. Oh, and, and look at that. Would the Philippian jailer have been converted if Paul hadn't been thrown in prison in Philippi? That's right. No. Now, the Lord could have done it some other way, but that's how he did that. Yeah, that's really cool. I like that. All right. And the other benefit is that the brothers are more bold to speak the word without fear that this has emboldened the brothers in their proclamation of the gospel. So yeah. instead of seeing it as a negative, well, I'm stuck here, I can't do any good work, you know, why is this happening? Paul's saying, no, it's a good thing on some level that I'm here in prison because the guards hearing more about Jesus and I don't know if they would have heard it some other way. And the brothers are being encouraged and strengthened by me being here to speak more boldly. Whenever we're getting into Eeyore mode, woe is me, feeling sorry for myself, why is this happening? Philippians is a good reminder. You know. Can't we, you say that we're imprisoned right now with this COVID lockdown that seems to be getting worse? Yeah, but I'm gonna say if, if, if you went back to the first century and you asked some prisoners of the Roman Empire who might be executed, then they're insane. <laughs> if they would rather have that or put up with some government lockdowns, they'd probably say, yeah, you know, give me that. Well, that, yeah, that's them. We, don't, we, we look at it from our rose-colored yeah. glasses and this is, yeah. oh, woe is me. I, right. I can't right. do anything. I can't go to work. Kids can't go to school. This is not good. Well, yeah, it's not good. But look at Paul. And might there be some opportunities for good that come from that? Yeah. We so just have Paul, to look. Paul, there you go. You got to look. And, and so two things. We're going to go to problem number two and problem number three. But let me go ahead and throw this out there for the audience to be thinking about. One thing, Paul is going to show us how to be an optimist. For example, here's a glass. Let me get it halfway. <laughs> <laughs> Drew and Stephen, I want one of you to be the optimist, one to be the pessimist. Who's well, that's, that, that's half, half full. Okay, Drew is our optimist. The glass is half full, whereas Stephen in Eeyore mode says, 
Well, it was a half full, but now it's half empty. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right. Now, who's right? They both both of us. Yeah, it is half full and it is half empty. They're both right. But if they keep that attitude throughout their life about this glass and everything else, what if tomorrow, if it rains half of the day, Drew's going to say, hey, it was sunny half today. <laughs> And she's gonna say, yeah, but it rained half the day. And they're both gonna have an accurate weather report, but if you go through life like that, one person's gonna be positive and one person's gonna be negative. But Philippians is much deeper than just being an optimist. Because in 2 Corinthians 4, where he talks about the afflictions he went through, he said, I don't faint because I don't look at the things that are temporary. Temporary. I look at the things that are eternal. I don't look at the things that are seen because they're temporary. I look at the things that are not seen because they're eternal. So this chain right there, is that still on Paul? Yeah, he's got him. No, I mean today. Oh, no, <laughs> not today. No. I thought you meant in his time. Yeah. Right. That chain's gone. But what about the souls that heard the gospel during this time that encouraged other people to be bolder and if some of the guards became Christians and stuff like that? Mm. See, some things are eternal and some things are temporary. So it's, it, yes, Paul's looking on the bright side, but he's also looking on the eternal side instead of the temporary side. That makes a big difference. So let's go to problem number two. What's problem number two? While he's in prison and it's emboldening other people to go out there and do more preaching. So it's kind of like, you know, you're, you're the quarterback, you know, is benched with an injury. Somebody else has got to go in. While some people are going out there and getting more done with a bold and good attitude, problem number two, somebody read it to us. Some indeed, verse 15, verse, uh, Philippians 1, some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former pro proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, but sincerely, I'm, I'm sorry, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed and in that I rejoice. Let me, let me ask you first though, so those that are doing it for the wrong motives, they're still doing it accurately, would you say? Well, they're teaching Christ. Okay. Uh, the wrong motive means they're not living accurately. Right. But it's, you know, suppose, suppose uh, you get uh, laid up in the hospital and uh, you're not here for the broadcast. <laughs> and Stephen and I, both said, well, we're going to have to, you know, carry on without Drew. And Stephen says, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to take some of Drew's responsibilities and help out and, and do this. And um, he's doing that. And I'm thinking, Ooh, this is my chance to try. <laughs> you know, if, if I present a good message about Christ, if that benefits the audience wonderfully, is God going to approve of me on the day of judgment? No, no, your motives off. But if other people heard about Christ, Paul's saying, listen, I'm glad 
that they're hearing about Christ. Mm. Right. So problem number two, which was temporary, the insult or the people hearing about Christ? Uh, right. Temporary was the insult was temporary. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Go to problem number three. Well, what were they wanting? To, what did they want to happen to Paul in a negative sense? Well, it says envy and strife. Look at it there in verse 15. Some indeed preach Christ out of envy and strife. Yeah, mine has envy and rivalry. Yeah, yeah mine says, but what, what were they hoping? Would, would they, they must have been hoping something negative to, towards Paul. Oh, well, it's envy and strife are, are both very negative. It, they might have been hoping he got killed or something like that. But I think it's that they see this as an opportunity to pump they're, themselves up. Okay. They're jealous of Paul and they want to, you know, and they might, who knows, they, they might be saying, well, see, this is what Paul gets. You know, Paul did some foolish things. And if, if he hadn't taken Gentiles to Jerusalem, this never would have happened. Mm. I tried to warn y'all about Paul, you know, before <laughs> you need to be listening. They could, it could be all yeah. sorts of things right. in their attitude, but partly some people, they're just in competition. I remember one fellow, he's behaving badly, and I went and talked to him about it and said, you don't understand, I have to win. Oh. And he was, yeah, he was competing with some other brethren, and I said, listen, I said, the only competition you need to be in is against the devil. You know, you shouldn't be in competition with your brethren, but some people are like that. And that's but what's going on here, okay. In, in, Paul is a prisoner in Rome. Is there very much he can do about the attitudes of somebody hundreds of miles away that's jealous of him? No. No. But can he be glad that while they're trying to outdo Paul, they're preaching the gospel more and more and other people hearing about Jesus? That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. And so what does it say in verse 17? The former proclaimed Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. So that's what I was saying. Somehow they think this is going to hurt him emotionally, probably. Well, if, if they think that they can get Paul's disciples, take his, oh you know, yeah, get his glory, you know, look at that, Paul, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I don't, we don't know the exact details, but I like verse 18. What's yeah. Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. Therein I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. I, I may be missing it here, but you see how he says, I rejoice and I will rejoice. It's almost like, listen, I've decided to rejoice in that. That's what I'm going to focus on. And that's important. Sometimes I found that one of the things in life that's important is what you choose to think about. When there's something you're sad about, if you keep focusing on what you don't have, you can make yourself miserable. If you will stop and be thankful for what you have, self-pity and gratitude don't work at the same time. It's like, can you, either of you, can you demonstrate for us exhaling while you're inhaling? I mean, alternating. I mean, can you, like, uh, take a deep breath. In the middle of that, can I, was I blowing out? No. No. The only way I could blow out would be if I would stop, stop inhaling. So when I'm feeling sorry for myself, if I will turn around 
and turn it into gratitude, it's hard to feel sorry for yourself at the time that you're being grateful. So choose to do that. I rejoice and I'm going to rejoice. Problem number three. Let me just, before we leave the second one, as I just think about Paul, there are different kinds of things that can discourage us. And if I was in Paul's shoes, I mean, it would be, of course, very difficult to be imprisoned on some level. It'd be very difficult to talk about, you know, the facing death as we're going to talk about problem number three. But there's something that I feel like problem number two here would almost be the most discouraging personally to know that there are brethren out there, like personally, again, we don't know the nature of it, but wanting to get at you while you're down, like that can be one of the most discouraging things for us is when people who wear the name of Christ are having bad attitudes and being, you know, making it about each other, beating each other, rivalry, dissension, things like that. And, And I just appreciate that Paul illustrates not only how to be grateful when hard things are happening that are not necessarily personal, but how to rejoice when people are personally trying to hurt you. Uh, Cause sometimes those are the things that really discourage us. Yep. And Paul but, says, I'm going to rejoice that they're preaching the gospel. And think of the effect that it had on them. Here they are stabbing him in the back. I don't know if you use that term now, but that's what they were doing. Right. Scott, they're stabbing in the back and he says, well, wait a minute, let me sharpen the knife for you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I watched the other night Real Lobo, an old John Wayne movie with uh, Lucas. And at the beginning of it, he, he's a union uh, captain or, or colonel or whatever. And there was some Confederates. And in the thing that had gone wrong, done, the Confederates accomplished their end, their uh, goal. But in that process, it injures a union soldier and he ends up dying. Later, the war's over, he catches the Confederates, they go to prison. At the end of the war, he wants to know who the Union guy is that tipped them off, you know, the the traitor that betrayed him. And he said, you know, it caused the death of my friend. And they said, well, we're the ones, you know, that did that. Why are you not angry with us? He said, and, and it was, he understood that was the opposition. But he said, this other guy, he was supposed to be on our side. Mm. And he betrayed us, you know, for money, he betrayed him. That's who I want. And, you know, goes through the movie to get it. And so Paul expects the pagans to be pagans. He expects, you know, the, 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 the antagonists, unbelievers to be antagonistic. But when you start getting hit by friendly fire, that's, that's discouraging and aggravating. It's really? And he chooses to focus on what's confirmed. Yeah, there was a comment that came in from Joe, and they said this, they're putting Paul down, insulting him, yeah, attacking him. Yeah, well, it's like David wrote in Psalm fifty-five. Uh, you know, I, I could I could bear this if it was an enemy who was attacking me, but it's you, my equal. It may have been written about Ahithophel. We don't know for sure who Psalm fifty-five is written about, but that idea of betrayal it, it cuts deeper than the attack of an enemy in a lot of ways. Uh, that re- verse reference is uh, Psalm 55, verse 12. For it is not an enemy who taunts me, then I could bear it. It is not an adversary who deals insolently with me, then I could hide from him. But it is you, a man my equal, my companion, 
my familiar friend. We used to take sweet counsel together within God's house. We walked in the throng. So that's just, uh, I think about Paul as well here. I'm trying to keep up with the, the comments and John is not here. So I'm going to throw him under the bus a little bit, but I'm about 11 minutes ago, Joe said, there's a lion out there. What, I, I don't know what we were talking about that prompted that comment, but I'll, there's a lion out there. Do you remember what that would have been? I'm not sure. Oh, I know. All about I can think about is Proverbs, the lazy man. There's a lion in the streets, <laughs> but I don't know how that ties in. So I'm not. Uh, um, yeah, CJ just commented Judas and Jesus. Of course, Jesus yeah. was, went through one of the worst forms of betrayal mm -hmm. uh, in, in mm -hmm. Judas. So let's stop and think about it. It would have been easy for Paul to mope. Why am I a prisoner? What? the Lord called me and I, if he would have let me go look at all that I could be doing I was doing all these things and then then he leaves me two years in prison and says why did he even let me get arrested and then I had to spend two years there and now now I'm here and and now look at all the harm if you if you choose to focus on that you know what if all you do is think about depressing stuff you're going to be pretty depressed. That's how it works. Doing that. Uh, and now it gets to problem number three, which is what? They may kill me. And so he says in verse 21, or verse 20, at the end of verse 20, uh, so now also shall Christ be manifested in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if to live in the flesh, if this shall bring fruit from my work, then what I shall choose, I don't know. I'm in a strait between the two, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, for that's far better, but to remain in the flesh is more needful for your sake. So he said, I, which to choose? You know, it's like he's at a buffet, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I get to the Lord. Uh, if they don't kill me, I get to stay here and be with you. See, he's looking at the, the opportunity for good both ways. He could have looked at the opportunity for negative both ways. If they don't kill me, I won't get to be with the Lord. <laughs> if they do kill me, I won't be able to help you. It's a lose-lose. It's a lose-lose if you look at the negative on each side. But Paul looks at the positive on each side. If they kill me, I go be with the Lord. When? If they don't, I can continue to work with you. When? This is really, really powerful stuff here. Oh, the uh, lion thing was about concentrating on the negative, Joe said, that when you said oh, that before. All right, thank you, thank you. So he says, I want you to know, Philippians, listen, don't, basically, don't worry about me. This is actually turning out for good. There's good thing. Yeah, this is a problem, but look at this. This is a problem, but look at this. This is a problem, but look, look at this. Yeah. And he is looking on the bright side, but not just the bright side. He's looking on the eternal side. I wonder how many of us, myself included, would say, you know what? I could die tomorrow. That's better. When would dying ever be better? I mean, it, from a humanistic point of view, it's not. But he, he doesn't say, he says it's better, but to be with you is not better. Yours is necessary. There's a thick contrast of words he's using there. Yeah, yeah. He he can for for him personally, 
it'd be kind of nice to not get stoned anymore <laughs> or, or shipwrecked fail anymore. Uh, but he, he wouldn't be able to keep helping them. All right. Mm -hmm. Chapter two. And what time do we have there, True? I don't... We only have about 10 minutes left. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Five minutes, less than five minutes left. Right, you know what? Let's save some of this other stuff for later. And let's jump ahead to chapter four. Um, look at chapter four, verse four. This is going to tie back into what we've already looked at. Chapter four, verse four. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. Was he still in prison when he said that? He's a prisoner. <laughs> exactly. Now, now, so a prisoner, right. What he can't rejoice in. Can Paul rejoice in his legal freedom? No. Nope. Can Paul rejoice in his beautiful, lovely wife there at his side? No. Nope. Can Paul rejoice in the fine children that he has? Nope. Not in the can, flesh. Can Paul rejoice in that all of his brethren have his back? No. No. There's, there's a lot of things that Paul can't rejoice in. It's not wrong to have joy in those things. Proverbs 5 said, rejoice in the wife of your youth. Proverbs also says, you know, train up your children right, and you will have joy of them. It's not wrong to have joy in those things, but let me tell you something. The things here on earth that you can take joy in, you can lose those things, and you will. Mm -hmm. If you're in good health today, good. I have bad news for you. You're not going to keep your health. You're not. But keep it as long as you can. I was at the gym yesterday, and I started to say, you know, sometimes at the end of the day, man, you're really feeling good. Sometimes at the end of the day, you're feeling like you're losing the battle. Yesterday, I was feeling more like I was losing the battle, you know. Uh, but I mean, eat right, take care of yourself. But it is, it is a proposition. You know, you are going to die. Unless the Lord comes back, you're not going to keep your health. Uh, I'm doing a wedding this Saturday. And uh, they're going to be married. And I've got some friends that are being, going to be married tomorrow. In both of those situations, unless they die at the same time, somebody's going to end up a widow or somebody's going to end up a widower. Mm -hmm. You know, if they stay together as they should. And it, it's, you don't get to keep your spouse. You don't get to keep, you know, when death comes along, you don't get to keep your health. You're not necessarily going to get to keep your money. And when you die, you won't be. You so many things that bring you that you might want or bring you joy are going to go away. What can they never take away from you? your soul? Eternity. So, so Paul says, rejoice in the Lord. And again, I'll say rejoice. And then he says, I'll read this quickly. Verse six, in nothing be anxious, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. So give me, give me a song phrase that has this idea. Instead of worrying, turn it over to God in prayer. You know, oh, well, let's just use a verse from Peter. Cast your cares on him, he cares for you. How about this one? Ask with thanksgiving. Song comes to my mind is, when upon life's billows, you are tempest tossed and you are discouraged, thinking all is lost, count your many blessings. Stephen. And the song, uh, you know, oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, very good. Very good. And he says, so don't be anxious. Take it to the Lord. See, there's things Paul couldn't do anything about. There's things we can't do anything about. 
take to the Lord in prayer with thanksgiving. Hey, thank you, Philippians, for this help. Thank you, know, and thank you, God, for this. Thank you for the opportunity to reach these soldiers, whatever. And if we do that, verse 7 says, what will guard our hearts and thoughts? Peace of God. Yeah. How many people today have a lot of trouble with anxiety and depression in their hearts and thoughts? Mm -hmm. Paul had a lot of reason that he could have focused on negatives, but instead he does this and he says the peace of God will guard your hearts and thoughts. And then he says, verse eight, finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are good report, if there's any virtue, any praise, think on these things. The things that you both learned and received and heard and saw in me, these things do. Now, That's they, they learned doctrinal things from him too, but really in context here, it's this. When you saw me beaten and in prison and we were singing and doing what's right, remember that and do that. Like Stephen was talking about earlier, learning to sing in prison. And when you're going through things, chapter four is telling the Philippians to do what Paul just did in chapter one. You were saying before, it's a choice. You, you, we actually can choose to do these things or choose not to. And when we're feeling anxious, it may be a little harder to choose to do those things. When we're feeling a little down, it may be harder. But you, you can always think what you want to think. You can choose to think something else. So he's not telling us to do something that's impossible under any circumstance. I was I was working with a friend in rehab yesterday, and and he was talking about you know challenges of just his anger, his anger. And I talked to him about who are you angry at and why. And I tried to get him. I said, be more grateful. And I asked him about some things that he had to be grateful for, like his children and such. And I said, think about that. What are some things that you're grateful about them more? I said, you've got to focus on the gratitude. He said, you know, that's what the leader here at the halfway house says. He said, it's about gratitude. You need to, like he said, one guy was coming in and was complaining about the bed. You know, why is it real comfortable? He said, is it better than when you were out sleeping on the street homeless? You know, if you will choose to be grateful, it makes all the difference in the world. You can't do both. You got, it's one or the other and you can choose. Yeah. One. Yeah. Well, guys, we're just about out of time. If not out of time, Steven, do you want to add one more thought or anything? You got another comment? Yeah. I just, before we leave verse seven, something that has jumped out to me about this text is that the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds. Mm. What, what kind of thing do you need to guard? you need to guard something that's under attack. And I'll tell you, it's really interesting that one of the ways that Satan is attacking our hearts and minds is by trying to take away our joy, trying to take away our peace. Yeah. And I love that what Paul is saying here, I mean, man, 2020, I mean, if that hasn't been an attack on oh, whether yeah. it's the COVID or the political cycle or whatever, like our peace is under assault all the time. And he says, if you will pray, and you will be grateful, then the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds. And I just think that is a powerful image to think about something guarding your heart. Um, that, that's just uh, helpful to meditate on. That's what that's what the goal of all this is. Amen. Amen. And we may come back next week. We'll talk about it later. But for the audience, we may come back next week and hit some of the middle stuff here in chapter two and three.
Great, great. Very good. Very good letter. Timely. We need these things. So I want to thank you, gentlemen, for your uh, input. Thank you, everyone in the audience, for all your, your comments. Uh, CJ, we have, we're at a time that if you come in next week, we can have you come in with your, your audio then because we're past our time limit. Um, but write down that thought, CJ, so you can ask us, talk to us about it next week because we'll probably continue some of this discussion in Philippians. Everyone have a great week. We look forward to seeing you next week, Tuesday at two o'clock. Thank you.